we go next time you hear me we is live what is up everybody it's dr vibe here host and producer of the award-winning dr vibe show the home of epic conversations i'm the host of epic conversations 2018 innovation award winner given out by the canadian ethnic media association and one of the other things I do these days is I host and co-produce monthly online broadcasts for fathers that are co-produced by Dad Central, Canada's National Fatherhood Organization, and Dove Men Care. And a little bit of background here for those who are here. A while back, uh, I've known both these gentlemen for a little while. I've known Kinte for a while also. And uh, Kinte and I, I can't remember, we did this thing a while back called Black Men from North, Black Men North of of the 49th black men south of the 49th a while back i think we may have done one or two conversations and we let it lie and then the people at get vocal said hey dr Vob, we want to start this content block on sundays called soul sundays would you like to have we'd love you to have a uh, some content on there i said well i'd like to do it as long as kinte is willing to do it with me so we'd like to say thanks to the Get Vocal pe- people. We'll put it a little aside. We've been waiting a while. Let's all we'll just say that. We've been waiting a while. We'll just, we'll just let it be like that to, to have us featured. And the reason why the 49th thing is that I live in Canada, which is north of the 49th parallel, and Kinte south of the 49th. He's in California. I'm in Toronto. And we're really blessed and highly favored tonight to have a, another a friend of ours, Dre, is with us. And uh, we're looking forward to this epic conversation. And uh, we're talking tonight on our, I guess, our first real conversation of the 49th about how has 2020 affected the black psyche. So I'm going to ask both gentlemen to just a nice check in. How both you all doing? Uh, Well, I'm fine. Uh, I'm happy. I'm healthy. Um, A lot of my family is healthy and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Wonderful. Dre? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day out today. We had a lot of rain in the city for the past couple of, I would say probably for the past week. Uh, it's a good day, and I'm happy to, to be a part of this. And I do want to say thank you for thinking about me in this conversation, to, to be a part of this conversation, because uh, I'm just a guy. <laughs> no, you're more than that, man. I just thank you for uh, giving me the privilege to be a part of this conversation. Well, I think the privileged status in my books is long gone. You are always welcome here. Thank you. Thank you. So, and I think I can speak for Kinte on that. You're always welcome here. Always. We, we appreciate you and we value you. And not only you, but you and your family. Most importantly. I want to shout out to the folks that are already in the room. We have Happy Work Week, Maya, Lauren, and Natasha. You know that there's a spot open, so if you want to join in the conversation, let's make it happen. Kinte wanted to chat about this subject, so I'm going to let Kinte lead. So give us some background on it, Brother Kinte. Yeah, sure. Um, One thing is that uh, we talk a lot about what's going on in the world as it pertains to black folk, right? We talk about uh, police brutality. We talk about racism, white supremacy. We talk about a myriad of things. We talk about uh, ra- um, uh, issues with the justice system. We also talk about uh, wealth, the wealth gap. But we don't often talk about it from a psychological point of view. 
And it's very important because I truly believe that these topics are actionable, right? Physically, there's things going on. But then it's also a psychological warfare. And it's also a spiritual warfare at that. And when I say spiritual, I don't want to get hung up on religion. But I mean, there's a spiritual component to uh, this diabolical nature in which uh, this world operates in. Uh, racism and white supremacy is uh, diabolical. It's an evil thing. And I think we need to see it as that. And it's not just the physical things that happen to us, such as police brutality, such as uh, being miseducated, and going on and on from, from you know, things that I have already talked about. But also, it deals with, it messes you up in a psychological uh, way as well. And this is what I wanted to talk about, how these things affect us from a mental standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. And uh, so this is where this topic comes from. And specifically in 2020, what's been going on. Mm. Dre, when you first saw this topic, what was, what was, what hit you first? Um, the the I guess the the care part of it, you know, like we we all are are going through a lot right now, and what I think about mainly is the care part. Like, how do you care for people who have um, been psychiatrically traumatized through the situation when we've all been Western civilization, all have been conditioned to believe a certain way and to behave a certain way. You know, this is one of those things that's, that's extremely difficult to work through because this is generational. Yes. And um, and discussions like this need to need to happen. But part of the psyche is this: we can't expect a fix tomorrow because it's literally not going to come within 24 hours. Um, so I enjoy having conversations like this and talking about things like this because it, it, first it needs to happen. And unless it's exposed, discussed about, um, it will never go away. Fully agree with the opening comments from everybody. And I want to say shout out to Luke, shout out to Taylor. Thank you so much for dropping by. And as always, drop your comments in. There's also a seat that's open too. When, When I think about 2020 so far this year, one of the things that makes me think about is the challenges we have as black people just have been amplified. They've always been around. It's just amplification. And the one other thing I want to say is I am not a registered psychologist, mental health expert. So we do have a lady in the room, Natasha. So hopefully she'll jump in once in a while and, uh, and, and lend a hand on this. But am I right in saying that the things that were there were always there? It's just 2020 has just amplified it. What are your thoughts? It's definitely amplified. Like we, we are all in a very sensitive space right now. <laughs> we are. I mean, I'm not sure how everything is in the, the north of 49, but um, oh yeah, Same. in America. So, and it was crazy. Is um, Trump's presidency is probably affecting many Canadians as well. But yeah. um, so, I, I think that in this current space, what we're in right now, uh, 2020. Here's what I think is actually ironic and funny. All right, everybody know I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't ascribe to the Western 
civilization of Christianity, the Western civilized uh, thinking of Christianity. I'm more of an Eastern thinker when it comes to my faith. However, um, 20, a lot of pastors I heard preaching about 2020 being the year of vision, right? So 2020 is, is going to be the year of vision. The thing is, when you have vision, things become exposed. What's happening is, instead of people looking at 2020 and seeing God is trying to expose some mess, we're trying to ignore it. All right? So if you really believe in that prophetic message that pastor preached on New Year's Eve, that 2020 is a year of vision, then open your eyes, mm. see what's being exposed, and let's make some changes. Let's do it. Well, look who has jumped in. Ask and you shall receive. Natasha is in the house. What is up, Natasha? Not much. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you just fine. You boot, You got the Wonderful. booming system on, man. Boom system. I'm, I'm on my Chromebook that, for some reason, the sound it stopped working, so I can only use my headset. So I had to make sure it was uh, this is recent that it's decided it's going to be sometime-ish in its, in its sound. <laughs> How you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I am blessed. Hey, blessed and hot. So Natasha, I'm glad you jumped in sooner rather than later. You, for lack of a better term, are on the front lines. In uh, in with our people, especially emotionally, mentally, through 2020. Uh, I I first want you to just share your credentials with our audience, and then if you could just share what you're hearing and hearing and seeing on the front lines. Um, so by schooling, I have a master's of child and youth care. Um, so my specialty is with children and youth, but I have worked with um, people of all ages and I've been working in mental health for about 20 years, um, mostly in hospital settings, um, really acute stuff to now a bit more tame stuff where I'm working in an outpatient clinic. Um, and I have launched a private practice um, and I do speaking on mental health topics and resilience as well, because that's what I live, eat and breathe. Um, but in terms of specifically within our community, um, one of the ways that I've tried to be involved is I am on um, a steering committee for a project that's looking at um, dealing with black youth in mental health and how to get them appropriate uh, treatment. Um, and I was part of writing an article at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, there was a group of about eight black professionals where we put together an article just about how to cope with it. So I've tried to make myself involved in terms of just helping address ways to manage it and recognize that whenever you look at how you manage something, if you don't recognize who somebody is, you're gonna miss something. So our coping is different based on who we are as people. If we are, what's true to us as black people has to be part of our coping. Um, Dre said he's a Christian. I'm a Christian. You cannot, if you miss somebody's spirituality, to me, it's like not even seeing them. So I can't dis disregard somebody's spiritual practices when I'm talking to them about how to manage the biggest stressors of their life. So we have to be able to see people as a whole and recognize all the aspects of that. And knowing who we are as black people has to be a part of that when we're addressing black people. So there's um, lots of things to consider. I actually did um, a live with two therapists, two other therapists named Natasha, oddly enough, three Natashas, um, where we talked about what it's like trying to be there for our community, but we're suffering the same trauma because we're hearing the same things in the news. We're seeing the same things on social media. 
how do you balance all of that? Because you want to be there, you want to provide care, but you also, if we're not practicing our own self-care, we're going to run empty and not be able then to pour out to our community. Thanks for that. Kinte, what do you want to add from what Natasha just dropped to us? First of all, I want to thank uh, Miss Natasha uh, for joining us because it keeps the balance of uh, two from the U.S., two from Canada. I like that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and also, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Natasha's work, and I really enjoy the way that she conveys her thoughts. So this will be awesome to have this in this discussion. So uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, it's very fascinating to think about it from from her stand, st- uh, her standpoint because... You know, as a layperson or someone who just, you know, is sees it from afar, you know, um, it's interesting people like yourself who have to actually deal with the, the mental aspect of human beings that come to you for a myriad of, of issues. I can only imagine during this time, it's like gone up a notch or, or several notches of what people are dealing with, you know, and um, just... The fact that you have to deal with that on a regular basis has got to be trying. You know, I don't know about you know all that. I, I'm glad that you do self care because if you didn't, you'd be you would you would need a therapist yourself. Absolutely, I totally agree with that. Um, before I let you, before I go to Dre Maya sing on the side here. I'm a medical assistant. And I work in a doctor's office. The doctors are prescribing more antidepressants and I'm finding myself showing more empathy while talking to patients because of my older elderly patient patients just need someone to talk to because they live alone they're alone more and they just need someone to talk to so they can make up reasons to call just for the human interaction I think one of the things mental health has probably gone to a whole nother level and uh, and we're not even seeing the real effects yet just in my opinion, but Dre, what what do you feel? What's what's going on with our people during the last few months? Because you have a very interesting perspective. Um, yeah. You're an educator, <laughs> so you're not only and you're an adult also. So you have an adult group that you hang with, but you also are seeing the effects with black children. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I always share with people is that, let me ask, when was the last time you did a class? Was it March, mid March? It was on uh, March. So March 18th. Okay. Two weeks before, a week and a half before March 19th. Right. So the, yeah. So the the week and a half before then. Yeah. So we we look at this. You have half of March, April, May, June, July, August. That's at least five, five and a half months. Our black children have not got education. Obviously, there's two months for summer holidays, but even... So there, the, there was remote, remote learning. They had they, there was avenues for remote learning. But, 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 but and again, that's another conversation too, because remote learning can only do so much. Yeah. So how, what are you seeing the effect on our people, 2020, the kids and the adults? Mm-hmm. Um, I see that more people now are craving human connection and it could be any kind of human connection um i know uh when we were do- holding our classes online um 
as as a teacher, I want to make sure that I uh, am giving some or providing some level of rigor to my students in everything that I do, right? Whether it's fun, but, you know, I want it challenging. And I found myself um, having to be a little bit more concerned about the, the connection that we can develop while we're in remote learning and doing our video sessions instead of focusing so much on pounding in the academics because going through a pandemic is traumatic for adults for children they have no clue how to cope or they lack the self-resilience the the skills to practice self-resiliency in situations like this so uh, I, i my goal is just to try to maintain some level of connection with my students and the only way I could do safely is through the internet and, and through the online learning form, um, format. So, um, but one thing I, I noticed that in that was that although they wanted to learn some things, they really wanted to just interact with one another even more than they did in the classroom. Right? And it was to the point where the kids would set up their own rooms in Google Classroom uh, and in Google Meets just to talk just to interact and we have to remember that you know humans were created for community we were created to interact with one another and when you take that interaction away things happen mentally which is why so many people who go to jail and they spend time incarcerated come out with mental health issues it's because we weren't created to be in confined spaces we were created to 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 live together and and interact and engage and and all that and all that stuff that makes community. So it, it creates a, uh, a mental stress on people just being isolated the way we have become. Tasha, you want to add anything to that? Um, I think the one thing that I can probably add from my vantage point is working in, in, in mental health is understanding physiologically what's happening. Because a lot of times we're not aware of it and our coping becomes suck it up you know, man up, all that kind of stuff. But what's happened is COVID hit and COVID was ongoing question marks. And when you're dealing with ongoing uncertainty, you're in, when you think about flight or fight, you're in a certain level of that state all the time without that ability to come out of it because we didn't get answers, right? So first we were told we're going to go into isolation for two weeks and then it was, okay, that's going to extend. And so I don't know how it was in the U.S., but in Toronto... Um, they really took a long time to say school was shut down for the year. So there was this every few weeks waiting to hear what was going to happen. Are, are, are the kids going to get to go back to school? So there's that ongoing stress of, am I going to get to return to school or am I going to stay with online learning, which works for some, but doesn't work for all. Um, and then, you know, think about socioeconomics. If you don't even have the resources to do online learning, you are SOL, right? Until... You know, there's some opportunities for people to be able to provide for that, but that was all that scrambling after the fact. And then you look at, you know, so we're already living in the ongoing uncertainty that was provided by COVID. And then when you're a black person and you're watching your people being killed and this heightened awareness, because I always stress that it's heightened awareness because racism is not new. It's just we are seeing it more and that adds to that flight or flight response. So our bodies are in a constant state of stress with a level of adrenaline running that we should not be running at. And we've been doing this for months. 
we tell ourselves we're okay, but everybody is under some level of stress probably with this stuff. And so this is part of why I, I recently had a discussion about self-care because I'm like, we've got to be able to recognize that this is not the natural state for the body to be at this heightened state of stress. And so if we're not intentionally offsetting, even when we don't feel stressed, it's just going to continue to build. And to show my age, we're going to have a pressure cooker effect. It's going to build <laughs> and there will be some release. <laughs> what that looks like is different for everybody, right? But it is, it, we have to be able to recognize that there is that build of stress. It's ongoing. It, it, like COVID has gone on for months. Yes, we've so-called adjusted to the new normal, but everybody's position is different. Some people don't have employment. Some people have limited employment. Um, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been able to work. But just this past week, I hit a situation where I was like, I didn't anticipate it. So I was doing online therapy like I always do. And I had a client give me some information that was really jarring. Well, I hear jarring stuff all the time, except this was the first time that when the session ended, I looked around and I was in my safe place of my home. And that threw me off. And it was the first time I thought, oh, I never took that into consideration. What happens when you hear information and I'm used to in my practice being, you know, going to one of my colleagues and having a debrief with my colleagues, but I'm at home by myself. And so it was a very different thing. And so there's a lot of things coming up that we just don't have a blueprint for. We've never dealt with it before. And we're constantly trying to readjust. And it's really great that we have the ability to connect through online platforms. I just hope people are having dialogues about where they're really at because I think we're, we sometimes miss how much stress we are experiencing right now. Yeah. True. True. Kinte, you you got something on your mind. Talk it up. Chat it to me. One thing I find interesting is um, when the Ar Ahmaud Arbery case happened and then eventually the George Floyd video came out, um, I, I've talked about this before. Um, for myself, it wasn't a great awakening or it wasn't even an emotional thing for me because this is something that is common, right? And I understand what we're going, what was up, you know, what's going on, right? But one thing I've noticed is a lot of people who I know who are very apolitical, they're not militants at all. They're, you know, they don't really, you know, a lot of black people who didn't necessarily get real political, that really shook them to their core, that video, the image of the video, the hearing him cry for his mother and all of that. And I noticed that a lot of people who normally are not very political, even in the face of, of videos that we've seen before of black people being murdered by the police, uh, that mobilized them in a way that was different. And you start to see people who it shook something out of them. And I found it very fascinating, um, you know, from this standpoint, that these people who, you know, who I said are not very political, that that video, that one video, because there's other videos, right? There's tons of videos we've seen. But that video in the, the way that it happened shook something out of them that either was dormant or they didn't know was there. You know, there were people that cried. See, I didn't cry when I saw the video. I, you know, I was angry, but I didn't cry. 
but they cried when they saw the video. And it made me think about it from a psychological standpoint that, um, so it wasn't the fact that they just, that, you, I mean, you've seen videos of, of police murdering black people before, but it was in the presentation of the murder that made them uh, react, react with it in a different way. And it's partly what I wanted to talk about in this in this show is this psychological thing of constantly seeing our people, whether it's the Karen videos, which you see, I, I swear they produce about 15 Karen videos a day, right? You can literally make a website and just, you will have Karen and just post Karen videos and you would have content every day, right? Um, it's that, you know, that from a psychological standpoint, also seeing not only do you see the police, you see the president of the United States talking BS about, you know, our people and, uh, you know, siding with the white supremacists, you know, um, as well, openly doing it because they've done it in the past, but this is open, you know, as open as you can get. And think about it from a psychological standpoint of a child, right? I mean, it, it messes us up. We're adults, but if yeah. you're a young black child, a black boy or girl, and you see this because you can't not see it, right? It's everywhere. It's omnipresent. It's everywhere. How does that affect our children, right? And then we got to think about it uh, as not just as parents, but as uncles and aunts and older cousins and grandfathers and stuff. How do we, how, how do we have these conversations with our children? You know, because I know a lot of young black kids who are really they're really effed up behind this, this constant barrage of showing us in this, you know, um, in a kind of victim state. And then you got Hollywood movies is a slave movie coming out every week, you know, that shows our victimization. It's we rarely ever see our triumphs. We rarely ever see us, um, on top of the hill. You know, you had the black Panther movie, which is a fantasy, right? You know, People saw that as a triumphant thing. You, you understand what I'm saying? But in real history, we don't really see that. And definitely in present time, we don't see it either. So my question is to the panel of uh, what do we do with that, uh, with our, you know, our younger generation of them constantly seeing us in this light, whether it's the police, whether it's the Karen stuff, whether, you know, that has to take a psychological toll. Um, so, you know, my, uh, I, you know, to one of our two guests, like, what, what do you think about that? Well, we'll start off with you, Dre. Okay. Me, um, uh, again, it's, 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 it really is indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's from you. It's from young. It's from young. Um, when, and, and it's not just how we view ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's also how everybody else views us as well. It makes us feel like we're expendable, and it makes others see that we may be expendable. Um, I, I I saw the video, uh, and I'm not sure. I, I, my son actually saw it too. Mm -hmm. um, what disturbed me about that video, what hit me psychologically, was the officer's face as he was on top of him. Right. Like there was no care of this man at all. Mm -hmm. One human, uh, yeah. 
to the point where his life was being taken away from him before our very eyes in that video and it was no concern um and uh when when kids see that when they see somebody that that sort of looks like them it, it affects them and the reason why it affects them is because a lot of times in most cases they are being educated by people that don't look like them they are being policed by people that don't look like them and then when they see the police behaving a certain way to a person that looks like them, right, it makes them feel less than. When you have teachers who will refer to their kids, their students, as those kids, it affects them. Um, so it, it, it's, it's not even, even the desensitizing of seeing the information uh, or what we see or the information that we take in that causes us to be desensitized. It's how do we feel and and, how, and with all this image being um, brought to us, because let's be honest, in America, I think only 12% of the American population is African-American. Most of the negative things you see in the news are things that are negatively affecting African-Americans. It's either what you see in the news is um, black people upset about, not, about the injustice, black people dying, black people getting arrested, and white politics. That's it. That's it. That's the majority of the, the, the media. Our kids are ingesting all of this mentally. We can't figure all this out. And we know they can't. This is where they are. This is where they are today. And now we're in an election year. And everything is even heightened to a, 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 a more sensitive space. We're all sensitive. And if the adults are sensitive... And we could barely cope through all this. Our kids are, are, are breaking. And if we can't help them now, in another 10 years, um, our future is going to be bleak. Yeah. Um, I will listen to you talking. Like, my mind went somewhere. I may need to be, have some therapy after this because now I'm, like, internalizing this. One of the things I want to just jump in here, there are there is one thing that politics, politicians, and media love. They love fear. Mm-hmm. Fear drives love, people to the voting booth. Exactly. Fear. And fear gets people to watch the, the news. Mm-hmm. And give and sign away their rights, too. Exactly. So the fear part, and I think many, I think even more black people now are afraid. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, but if you look at the data, right? And I, I am no pro anybody, so let me just say that right now. Um, uh, when we look at what happened in the past um, eight, 12 years, right? It was still going on while we had a black president in office. It didn't stop. So we, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, man, like even with a black president in office, black men are still getting choked out, right. getting shot getting hung you know like still and now that there's uh, a president who an orange president cares I don't <laughs> want to disrespect any anybody you know I'm the nice guy <laughs> but what can't say said um, since since then it's like even heightened because now you have somebody in office who uh, won't take the right side 
he'll take a neutral side when it comes to injustice about uh, against people of color. But then is silent and somewhat even supportive when the other side does offensive stuff. Like it's or, or bad stuff to, to display that injustice. Not somewhat. <laughs> You're right. You're messing right. me up. You know? And the thing is like how do we how do we get our our kids over that? Like how do we really bring our kids to a place where you know I think go, go ahead yeah. and talk. And that was a hypothetical. Well, one thing that we have to one thing we have to keep in mind is how much impact we do have because I think we forget often in life the impact we do have and with children parents aunties uncles older cousins often have more impact than they think and one thing I know from working in the field that I do is I work with somebody and I they might leave my quote-unquote care and I don't see a difference and what I've learned is that I can't see the germination from the seed that I've planted and that others have planted, or if somebody's planted and I've watered it. But I think it's important to have dialogue because we don't necessarily realize how much it stays with the young people that we talk with, right? That we could say something to them and about what's going on. One, I think it needs to be a back and forth dialogue because we need to hear what they think so that we're not missing. If we can speak to what they misconstrue, we can speak to fear that they have, but we can also give them information that contradicts this concept that we are victims because we know how strong a people we are. And we have to be intentional about giving that information. When I was raised, there were certain things that I was raised in a, in a Christian Caribbean household. So my parents were like, I don't care if you were born in Canada. We don't believe in this, this um, Santa business. Let them people think that it's Santa. But I was never believed. I was never raised to believe that. My parents told me not to take it away from other kids, but you don't believe that. I never felt left out when people were talking about what Santa brought them because I'm like, yo, I'm still getting Christmas presents and I get to spend Christmas with my family and that's what I value. So I think there's ways that we can have these conversations and we can make sure that we're planting seeds to contradict this message. And, and kids are smarter than we think. So have a conversation about how media misconstrues things to manipulate things to help them understand that don't take everything you see at face value and Natasha, so that thing. they can start to question things themselves but also look at but we edu we have to educate ourselves yeah. here's the thing natasha um we're dealing with children and students right and and from the perspective mm -hmm. i'm coming from i'm coming from a black educator um in in staten island in my borough two percent of the the education staff in Staten Island is black, right? Two percent, right? All right. The majority of the students that look like me are taught by white women. We are trying to get these kids to get past this information, right? And and up and and sort of teach them the right way. But there's only two percent where I'm from. That would teach them the right thing. So how do so so again like I'm just speaking hypothetical and I'm trying to be as real as possible without being like a, a Donald Downer, you know? The reality is there's not enough of us in the spaces that our kids need us to be in for us to do that uplifting. There's not enough. 
So I, I, I okay. I so can I just challenge you on that a little bit? Yeah. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but our spaces aren't only the school setting. Mm -hmm. Our spaces are our homes. Our spaces are our families. Our spaces are the community settings that we involve ourselves in. So mm -hmm. can we be intentional about creating settings where our kids are getting that information? Absolutely. Because we know the school is not necessarily the place. Yes. So yeah, but, it's, but I, 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 I think we that. feel a burden as an educator, which I understand, but the sole burden is not on the educators. Well, uh, so, I, but I hear what you're saying about the ratios and how much information they're getting from other from people who do not look like them, yeah. and there's less people to contradict that. But there, there still are people who can do that, and I would hope that, you know, and I we can't speak to everybody's home life, we can't speak to everybody's family life with the outside like you know extended family, but can we, where we can encourage that in those settings as well. Well, yeah, where we can, but we also still got to remember that the majority of students receive most of their care and their education in school buildings. That's so the majority. So I, I, I agree with you. Like I was a director. And I was in the position you were in. I, I had, I had, I don't even think I can recall in my elementary school years, I don't think I had one black teacher. Yeah. What I was fortunate was I knew I had information sources that influenced what I thought. So I had my parents, I had extended family, I had the church, and I had school. So when I went to school, I understood this is not the only place I can get information. Yeah. And I was fortunate as a child that I had the ability to go, I don't have to take just what you say because I'm hearing other things in other places. Yeah. Um you know, I, I actually agree with both of you guys to a certain degree. Um, one is, you know, it starts at home, right? And also that uh, miseducation, I talk about this all the time, and it sounds like a broken record. Miseducation is one of the things that kill our community. And a lot of the miseducation does come within our schools. But also, you got to think about it like this. A lot of, our, 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 a lot of us are not equipped to give the information to our children. A lot of people who have children are not necessarily um, equipped, you know, because they're surviving. A lot of times they're just surviving, man. They, they, they got to go work, you know, maybe they're not as educated, you know? So, you know, we're fortunate. I think we all come from pretty good households where we had parents who, um, you know, who, uh, were you know intelligent and gave us you know tools to be great individuals but man that is rare in our community unfortunately a lot of people are not and it's not that they're bad people it's just they're just not set up for that and so miseducation that, that I've been wanting to do a show on um uh forgive me Dre you probably ain't gonna like this one uh homeschooling like this is no, way I, oh, oh, oh no I oh if if I I, I would love to homeschool my kids Oh, okay, cool. Like I'm for I'm for homeschooling, and if parents can homeschool and have the the, the I, I would I would welcome it. I would never tell any parent your child must be in school, like a school building. Nah. I, I've been wanting to do a show on homeschooling. I mean, pre this is pre COVID. Uh, actually, nothing to do with COVID at all. Uh, but um, just because uh, you know, ideally you want to see them in a school with other 
people their age and stuff like that. But um, miseducation, like if I, you know, I'm not a parent, but that's something I'm very, very concerned with. When I do have children, uh, you know, the schools that I would send them to, I would definitely have to vet. Because you get them up in these schools, they teach them all kind of crazy stuff. And you don't even know it. You know, I mean, I, there's some things I could go into, but I'm not because it's going to change the, the conversation. But you got to be very careful in which, what schools you send your kids to. Because uh, a lot of times, man, they'll, you know, they will put them on a, a, a mental path that um, it'll be hard to change that that direction so and and we and and one one last thing is it's important as black people that we don't just raise our kids to be successful that is not the only thing that matters they have to be right mentally that is so important on who they are as black people that is one of the most important things because what good is it to have an highly educated Coon as a child. All right. I know you don't like that word, Tasha, but I had to throw that out there. I'm glad you said that because you know I don't like that word. Well, you know. <laughs> don't like those people. <laughs> That's who you shouldn't like. What's yeah. up, Ryan? You're right. Hey, and Frazier. What's up, Frazier? I haven't talked to Frazier in a minute. Frazier over in Edinburgh, Scotland. Ryan in Edmonton. Thanks for joining in. Please keep on, keep on going with the comments. I know we spent the last number of minutes talking about our young people, but I also have a big concern about the people in our age. Because if if we're having challenges, it doesn't bode well for our younger people. Mm-hmm. And about, about three or four weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a black gentleman here in Toronto who leads a fairly prominent black men's group. And I said, how you doing? He says, I haven't seen and talked with a black man for over four months. Mm. Wow. Right? And so and that's so I'm just thinking about, you know, Kinte, your question about the psyche. And it's not working well with his psyche. He ain't seen, he hasn't a chat with a black man face to face for four months. That's a long that's, time. That's, that's serious. Yeah. So I, I, I think and as much as I know we're chatting about the effects on our young people, our, our, our people of our age group need the help too. Like I remember, uh, what is LA cocktails with LA. I remember her telling me something a long time ago. She said, you know what, Dr. Vibe, every black person needs a therapist. Mm -hmm. I agree. And especially this year, like, I don't watch any of these, like the George Floyd thing. I don't watch those things because I think they're snuff films. I I, I don't want to see them. Which films? Uh, well, the, where, where people like the George, the incident with the George Floyds and all yeah. those killings. I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired because I'm mentally, if I watch too much of that stuff, I'll, I, I could go crazy. Psych-wise, I don't, I, I don't, I don't need to see it. Yeah, no, it's so, a misery porn. There you go. Well, I think I think that's an important point you make, Doctor Vibe. Is we've got to know what is healthy for our own minds. So I don't watch the videos either. I don't need to watch a video to understand the gravity of what's happening and to be woke. Um, and I, 
was digging into this because somebody had asked me to do a live on um, the triggering, how triggering some of these videos are. And what was interesting was they're talking about black people experiencing PTSD type symptoms, so post-traumatic stress disorder type symptoms from watching all these videos. And what was interesting in one of the articles I read was they suggested that the, the wide more media portrayal is not in our favor. It is actually to promote dehumanizing black people. And that really gave me pause because I thought, so if we're sharing something that is meant to dehumanize us, we're actually fueling a cause against ourselves. Yeah. And that, it, it really, I was stunned for, for a few days just thinking about that. Um, but I think we have to check in with ourselves and know, like, what is the impact on me? I, I think people want to watch because they want to be informed. Um, but do you need to watch to be informed? Right. And, and I think we have to know who we are and what our tolerance level is. For me, I'm with you. I can't watch the videos there. It, it's, I might read a quick caption of an article to see what it's going to say happened and get that information. But I, I don't want to watch the videos because of the impact that I know it will have on me. Well, and I, I don't think that changes my ability to recognize that there's grave injustices happening in this world. Well, I'll, say, gonna say, I'll say this. Uh, some of the Karen videos are hilarious, though, uh, especially when they <laughs> when they get it. But um... <laughs> let me ask a question there. If, if, uh, so there's a lot of like you mentioned earlier, I can say that there's some people that were apolitical mm -hmm. that are now that, that are now, you know, on the angry about what they saw mm -hmm. and it moved them to action. What about the video um, being shared? And having that kind of result, where people are now being moved to action, like so, I I I I, I haven't seen the video. I, I did see it. I did watch it. I only saw it one time. And every time it came on my feed, I would make sure to skip it because you know how social media is. You roll over it and it starts to play automatically. So I make sure to to roll up real quickly because I don't want to see it again. Mm -hmm. um, one time is enough. But that one time also caused two things. Uh, some white, some of my white friends to come and tell me, Dre, I see it now, and I'm sorry I didn't see it before. And then you got those white people that's like, um, well, you know, that's only one incident. You know, it doesn't mean that you know there's a problem. So <laughs> I get, but those, but those, but if if 20 white people saw it, and 10 of them came to me and said, I see it, Dre, and what can I do to help? Right? Mm -hmm. Then that's 10 people that saw something negative and it caused them to move. Mm -hmm. So was it all negative that is out there? No, now, mind you, I, I think that I do think that the, the constant visual of it will not only dehumanize us in everybody's eyes, but it'll dehumanize us in our own eyes where we don't see, feel like we're equal and, and, and part of it with everybody else. But what do you guys think? No, I don't, I don't think it's all bad. I mean, um, you know, I think there is an importance to it for for a lot of people, but um, you know, the thing is that we have to take control of our own narrative. Mm -hmm. And some the thing that's very important is what all of us do because we're all of us in here are content creators. We also uh, yeah. we talk about these kind of issues and stuff, and it's important for a lot of us to gain our voice, and so. Some people needed that as a, a thing. It was like a wake-up call for a lot of people. 
And then, um, so, you know, it's important that we go, that's not it. That's not the only thing. That That's not us, right? We do have value. We do matter, you know, for lack of a better phrase, right? So, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's so much that goes against us in this society. And when I say against us, I'm talking about as black people, you know, the media, right? Me and Natasha has had this conversation many times about the, the media being propaganda from top to bottom. It's propaganda. It's negative propaganda, right? And you have to understand what you're viewing and what you're watching. And if you understand what is being presented to you, then you can deal with it better. But one of the reasons why it affects us in that way is we don't understand. We don't have a true understanding of what we are um, taking in. And you're right. Same thing for the Latinos as well. But, um, you know, but that's our problem is a lack of information, a lack of knowing. And mm. the one thing is you have to be careful and they will give you. I'm talking about the other side will give you your heroes. They will give you a solution, and that solution ain't necessarily in your best, in your best interest as well. So you have to be careful of that as well. And it's and, and first off, Natasha, your picture just flashed on your in your face, your profile picture, dope profile picture. It was like quick, but I was like, okay, she look cute. All right, now um, with the media, thank you. Right? Uh, how like and again, like I've had conversation with people about this also about the media and, and trusting it. Like we have. Um, news conglomerates that don't present the news anymore they present commentary and tell us what's happening instead of just you know explaining okay this is what's happening in this situation and they're trying to tell us how to feel about the situation that we're watching right whether it's Fox News or MSN or C CNN or CBS or whatever you know and it's like everything that we see every single piece of media is tainted with opinions and subjectivity and how do we navigate through all that like uh, and, and i'm just like i know i'm asking but i'm really asking hypothetically because like just I, that's what i think about you know all the time like okay i, I see this article uh and then i see somebody says well this is fake news but <laughs> what, what makes it fake news because they're adding their own commentary but you just shared an article of somebody adding their own commentary so like come on guys like let's be consistent here Let's 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 forget whatever political side we're on. And let's look at what is and try to to get through all the the BS and see everything for what it is and stop allowing everybody or the news media to tell us what we need to be thinking about any specific thing. Um, that was just like some brain vomit. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> no, no, no. You good? You good? Well, if, if I can, if I can speak to that and tie in the whole piece that we've been talking about in terms of the psychological impact, if we think about our minds like a stomach, and everything we read, everything we watch, everything we listen to, as stuff that we ingest, are we over ingesting? Are we mm. making ourselves sick on what we're ingesting? And so, yeah. when we look at what the psychological impact is, I encourage people to think about. How do you guard your mind? We are responsible for how much we take in. So we don't have to watch everything, read everything. And so I have days where I can take in way more content and I can handle it. And I've got the stomach for it. 
And then I have days where I'm like, I can't even hear one thing. I'm just at my fill. And the more I check in with myself, and I, I use the example, um, if you, you know, again, dating myself here, the old radios that you had to tune the dial, you want to be tuning into yourself and checking that frequency and where you're at, checking in with yourself to see where am I at today? Can I tolerate this? Can I ingest this? And will it make me sick or is it going to be helpful to me? Um, and even the quality of what you're taking in is part of will it make you sick? And I don't mean physically sick or even mentally sick, but recognizing that as a metaphor to understand what is the impact that it's having on you. And I think that unfortunately, social media has removed our that thought process that we have to guard what we take in, right? Like in Canada, we have CP24. In the States, you have CNN. Those stations are throwing four pieces of information at you constantly. It How is that healthy? You're reading something, scrolling at the bottom. Somebody's talking. There's the weather on the side. Then there's traffic. And there's still another thing telling you that somebody else has been shot or whatever and i'm like every time i turn that on i'm like i'm in i'm exhausted in two seconds flat and have to change the channel yeah but, but you know but we have to be i think it's really important that we pay attention to what we take in and how we take it in but the way that you guard against that is you make your mind strong and the way you make your mind strong is you have to you know there's an old saying bs in bs out right if the only thing that you you know, you let come in is BS, then that's your BS person, right? That's what you're putting out into the world. So what you want to do is you want things that strengthen your mind, you know, whether it doesn't even have to be political. It doesn't even have to be something that's about race or politics or anything like that, but things that just sharpen your toolbox. And when you do that and you sharpen your mind, you know what, CNN whether they got four or 18 things on the screen won't affect you because you are so sharp and astute and that you can, you know, the, their BS doesn't, you know, doesn't get you. It's like uh, the movie They Live. It's like you put on those sunglasses and you can see the world for what it is. You know, big shout out to They Live. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, uh, you know, you know, that's just, you know. Uh, movie plug. Yeah, you know, it's a great movie. Um, but, you know, I think that it's just important that us as a community that we deal with these things and understand really what we're up against as I, and but, I'll, I'll reiterate but are you are you saying then kente that many black people do not know what they're up against oh my god the vast majority of us do not and it's mm -hmm. a spiritual thing it is demonic you know for a lack of a better term it's demonic what we're going up against. And when I say demonic, I don't mean Satan, you know, or whatever. Or you can say it's Satan. But I mean that this wavelength, this uh, whatever this thing is, affects you like a virus. And I ain't talking about COVID. I'm talking about um, just the way that uh, the media, the way that, uh, that, um, that our government as well as other sources... Uh, if infects us with this, with this uh, cancer, and racism mm -hmm. is a cancer, you yeah. know, uh, sexism is a cancer, you know. Uh, you go down with all those isms. You can take your pick of, of isms. So how do you change that? How do you change the dial? Think about it. And I, I've said this before. When two kids play with each other of different ethnicities, I'm talking about like, you know, 
uh, little kids. They don't see each other as black and white. They're mm-hmm. just kids playing with each other. But if you mm-hmm. give them a year, then all of a sudden, it's like you're black, you're white, you're whatever, you know? Where does mm-hmm. that come from? Not every parent is a, a, a bigot, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's our environment. This a mm-hmm. sickness that permeates in our society. And I ain't just talking about the United States. I'm talking about this is global, where yeah. this thing that, um, that separates, that destroys us, is, uh, is permeating. So mm-hmm. the way that you have to deal with it from, you know, this is from a black standpoint is, you, you can't wait till your kid is 14 to start tell, telling them about who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to start at a young age. When I said this recently, when I was in the crib, my dad used to say black power and throw up the, and make me put up the fist. You know what I'm saying? From I'm talking about in the crib. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was from birth. You know, I, I got that. And I no kid is too young. You know, you're not too young. You know, to, yeah, to, um, to teach them that, that, to love themselves. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, um, something I actually visualized myself. I used to be a family worker at a head start program. Um, and this is just in, in reference to what you were saying about kids aren't taught that, you know, um, there was two girls. And, and the funny thing is, uh, I, when I became a teacher, these two young girls last year was in my fourth grade class. So it's actually, actually funny how things turned around. I was a family worker at a head start program when they were in pre-K. And um, I, uh, I would go into all the classrooms every morning and i was like that crazy uncle where i would come in say hi to all the kids run around the class with them and then leave to go to the next class so every morning i was doing that while i was sitting down with them having breakfast with them and it was two girls um i think they were born here but their families were from mexico and spanish was their first language so they were um learning english at the same time as spanish uh, when they were in the head start and when i saw this this one experience that I got to witness really changed my mindset about kids growing up and how they are taught and conditioned. Two girls sitting at the breakfast table speaking Spanish to one another, right? Yes, talking. Another girl comes in, sits down with them. They all speak Spanish. They're interacting together in Spanish. Then a black girl comes in and sits at the same table. You know what those three Spanish girls did? Immediately started speaking English to include that person in the conversation. Wow. These were, I think they were, at the time they were four years old. Wow. Four. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, they excluded her because she was different or even, and, and something like language. Language is, is the ultimate excluder because if you don't understand what people are saying, you're always going to be left out. These beautiful little angels without a second thought, and it wasn't like they said to each other, okay, let's speak in English now because so-and-so is here. They just did it because they realized that their relationship, right, was more important than their differences or what they look like or what they what languages they spoke. And that 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 really resonated in me. Really resonated in me. Kids aren't taught how to hate. Um, and in fact, children see differences, and they're curious about it. They want to learn more about it, and they 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 even celebrate it, right? It's us as adults that teach these kids that, you know, this difference makes you better. 
or this difference makes you inferior, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, they'll, they'll, you're, you're right. The media, and I think this conversation is actually helping me a little bit because I'm the type that likes to, to receive all the information I can and to um, be able to speak so that I don't speak ignorantly about anything. I want to be able to know my, my opponent's side so that I can mm-hmm. twist it and trap him. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. All right. Um, so I try, I'm the type that try to take in as much information. I'm always reading something about um, any specific cause that I'm extremely passionate about because I like to have conversation. And if there is somebody who's ignorant, I want to be able to trap them up and educate them if I can. I love dealing with ignorant but, people sometimes. Yeah, that... well, I, I don't mind. I, I deal with ignorance all the time. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's um, and, and when I say ignorance, that uh, ignorance of people that I just don't know. Yeah. And there's something that I just don't want to know. And I don't mind that. Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't mind. As a teacher, you deal with, um, you know, innocent ignorance all the time. You're teaching kids. And I want to teach people if I can. And, and at the same time, I want to learn because I don't know everything. But I think this conversation is allowing me to, to rethink that and, and not be so information driven that I need to receive and, you know, and, and learn and take in everything. Yeah, because... Um, Natasha, I be having like some information belly aches, and it hurts sometimes. <laughs> it hurts. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I I've had to learn the hard way. <laughs> right? Nope. It's like well, we're in an information buffet, and then we're feeling sick. <laughs> yeah. But but for some for me, a lot of times I just turn it off. I really just I I it's just so overwhelming, and to process it all, like let's I look at it this way. The human brain over the last 2000 years, the average IQ is basically the same, but the amount of information it's had to process has increased exponentially. And that there's going to be a burnout. There's going to be a meltdown. Like many of our brothers and sisters, they can't take anymore. They can't take it. They, they got to worry about COVID. They got to worry about, am I going to have a job? Am I going to get ever a job again? I'm, you know, am I going to get money from the government when I see all these other people who don't look like us getting money, but I'm not getting money? It just adds to that deflation of the human psyche. And as I said, I don't, I, I don't want this to happen, but I say over the next year or two, we're going to see some serious challenges going on. We're going to like, and I mean, through all age groups, like, unfortunately, a lot of a number of our elders are gone. Because of the disparity in healthcare system, but then we have a lot of people who need, who are going through mental challenges that aren't getting it, and are, are not telling any people and they need it, and it's just crazy, you know. That's why I'm glad Natasha's here because we need action steps to help. Many of us need action steps to help our psyche, because if we don't, because there's too many black people that are screaming and nothing's coming out. Mm-hmm. There's, I think there, I think you're so right on that. And I think there's so many aspects to how we care for ourselves. So one, like I said, is paying attention to what we're taking in. We are in a position where there's just so much information, but is it good information? And I like what Kinte said about being intentional about taking in some of that information. Cause you know, I've been like many who are like, I can't stay quiet. I can't sit still with this stuff. I have to do my part. 
and as I'm learning things, I'm floored at how much I didn't realize. I've known about systemic racism, but I had no idea the the complex machine that it is and that the many areas that it has its impact. And so for me, getting more education has been helpful. Um, but I find these dialogues, this is what feeds my soul the most, talking to people, hearing other people's perspectives and being able to share things. And because human connection is so valuable to our healing. And like you, you Dr. Vibe, you gave a point about uh, a gentleman who said he hadn't talked to, you know, face to face with a black man for four months. This lack of connection that we're facing because of COVID is definitely a challenge to us. And so looking at how we can creatively connect, um, whether that's using online platforms or like having socially distant yeah. visits with people. I just want to interrupt. The res I, respectfully, I, I agree with you that, but the online platforms are only going to do, it can only can do so much. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. You know, it's and not I, everything. It's I, not, it's, I'm a person who I need to be hugged. And I've, I've, I think about two months into COVID, not even that long. It was, it was a shorter space of time. I had been going, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then my dad was hospitalized. And I was just like, I just really want a hug. And I couldn't get a hug anywhere to save my life. But I was just like, I need a hug right now. But so for me, I, I feel it like as an extrovert who likes to be around people and in person with people, I felt it. Right. And it all these different aspects of um, how we connect, we have to pay attention to. But I think hopefully we can be creative. Like one of the things I did was I had a socially distant visit where I sat. We sat probably a good eight feet apart. But my cousin and I had a good chat and I felt so much better words, not even having felt bad before, but just realizing that that being in person, hearing the voice, um, seeing the person in the flesh, it, all of that stuff is part of how we connect. And I think this is why it's important to know who you are, because then you can know what are the things that feed you and heal you. And so for everybody, that looks slightly different. And so we have to know ourselves to know what steps do I need to take to help contribute to that? Because we don't necessarily realize that we might be watching these videos to feel responsible. We might be reading articles, hearing things, seeing things in our feed. But those are constantly chipping away at us. And, and what are we doing to build back that which is being chipped away? Hmm. Um, I want to uh, bring up something real quick. Uh, there's uh, uh, Dr. Joy DeGruy. I believe I'm saying her name properly. She, yep. She's written this great book. And there's a great lecture as well called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. And uh, it's, it's it's an amazing thing. You, uh, I would suggest that you just go and buy the book, and then you also can check out her lecture. Uh, recently, Nick Cannon had her on his show, which I thought was awesome, because she doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, uh, definitely mainstream or kind of, well, I guess semi-mainstream type interviews, but it really talks about the psychological toll on this stuff with our people. And... Uh, it's a it's a great resource, and it it really speaks to this conversation that we're having, you know, and uh, it's 
it's it's not the only book that talks about this kind of thing, but of all the books that I've come across, it's probably the best resource. And it doesn't just talk. It talks about how um, how us as black people have evolved or not evolved mentally post slavery, right? And uh, so I just wanted to put that out there uh, for those who may not be aware of it. Uh, but definitely, you, you will not be disappointed. It's amazing, and uh, so that's one of those good I, one of those good things that you can do to sharpen your tool, your bo- your your mind. Is that's one of those those great uh, reading resources, and there's a lot of other resources that really speak to this. You know, Dr. Claude Anderson, all of his books are awesome as well. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I can just go on and on, but. It's all about what you put in your your brain, you know, and if you can take a moment, maybe we should even do a uh, maybe we should have a book for each episode that we do here to kind of coincide with our topic, with uh, with our topic, because um, reading good material definitely does help that situation. So, uh, you know, as far as um, just having your mind in a good place, but. I don't want to um, not have this conversation and not just bring up that I think we all are affected in our own ways, you know. Some you can see it right away. Some you can't. Sometimes you're affected, you don't even realize it, right? I think most of us, right? And some of us, it'll it'll catch up to us in different spaces, right? I've I've heard people who you know, just all of a sudden just had to turn off, you know, turn off the street and just start crying because of all mm-hmm. the things that are going on. You know, that's some heavy stuff right there, you know. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of us guys, right? Me and Dre, we chew glass, right? We're some tough dudes. But you know what? This stuff gets to you, you know, at a certain point. And it's okay to for that, you know, like you had to have that space to exhale and to do that. But then, you know, you give yourself a good cry or whatever it is that you need. But then it's like, what's next? You know, what, what's next? What do you want to do to affect the change that you want? And my whole thing is you don't have to do it in a broad sweeping way. You know, you don't have to be Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or, you know, or, or run some sort of national movement. If you can take care of your square Right. If you can be a, a, you know, a positive person in your neighborhood, in your immediate community, then you are helping. You know, what I mean, it could be from the standpoint of donating funds to the right organizations. Um, It could be um, being a mentor to a younger person. Right. Me and uh, Dre, we talked about the idea of mentorship, mentorship, you know, um, being a big brother. You know, um, it's very important. I just want to interject, Kinte. That's really good points here because I hosted a conversation earlier on today called Black Women's um, Lens on Raising Black Sons, Black Canadian Women Raising Black Sons. And some of the topics you just mentioned came up. One about the lack of the mentorship and big brothers. Like I know in Toronto, there is a huge, huge lack of black men that are doing the Big Brothers program. They're always needing more and more volunteers, you know, in that area. But again, 
I and again, I, I just want to make sure we also realize that people in our age group, we need those supports too. We need to have these type of conversations on a continuous basis because I it's been a quite an intense last few months and you hear some people saying, hey, you know what? This may be different this time. Look, there's going to be some real progress. Well, what happens is if to those people who think they're gonna, there's going to be progress and there isn't any, they're going to fall into depression. Right. right? Like, protests are great, but protests are only going to take you so far. You know what's so funny about it is, so they're like, yeah. oh, we hear you. We hear you. So you know what? We will no longer have white people do characters on the Simpsons anymore. <laughs> That's their answer. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we will, we, you know what? Remember Aunt Jemima? We're going to take her off the box because that's going to help. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I'm going to put it out there. I think if black people are going to move ahead, they got to have control over the following things. Mm-hmm. They got to create their own jobs. They got to create their own businesses. They've got to, they've got to, uh, control their education system. I've now think we have to have a control of our own health care. And I see there's one other thing I would, was going to say, and I forgot it, but I think those things right there and also control over the criminal just their own, the, the way justice yeah. is handled yeah. on them. When black people have control over those areas or more control than they do right now because in a lot of those areas they have hardly any control that will start helping our psyche move forward because at the end of the day really and truly in in a political realm the biggest impact can be made at the local level not at the national level right we won't even get into the whole defunding of police stuff but policing is a local city thing. It's not a federal national thing. Yeah. We have to, each one of us, we've got to, it also, each one of us has to take ownership on our own selves, deal with the self care. We have to also remember, we have to give each other grace. We have to give ourselves grace. Very, very important because it's a battle right now. It's always been a battle, but it's been amplified as much as, things are hopefully going to move forward. It's going to come sometimes at a cost. And are we willing to, was it one of my friends, Henri, one of my associates, Henri Morris says, heavy is the, heavy is the crown, the head that wears a crown. And he says, how strong is your neck? Right? So we're going to have to get some stronger necks and that's going to take each one of us helping each other out to help our own psyche for the battle that's ahead. Yeah. It's a battle and a war and all of that. And and we also have to have more individuals like Natasha helping our people out. We need to have culturally sensitive practitioners wherever we are. You know, getting back to Drake. Do you see what the issue with that is, Dr. Vibe? Sorry, if I can just interject on that one point. One yeah. thing I'm struggling with is we've got lots, the, now that I'm seeing the list come out, but most of us are in private practice. So then we have the socioeconomic issue. There so we, we need to be funded to allow to provide free therapy because what's happening is if you can't afford it, then you're still in a position where 
you can't access it. Well, some benefits will cover, but maybe not for enough sessions. It's so, it's very tricky. So let let me cause a little trouble here now. Let me let me ask: Does anyone know the name Reed Hastings? Hastings, I think I know. I, I've heard of him. Kinte, who's Reed Hastings? Yeah, um, Reed Hastings is the guy from. Um, you're talking about from uh, the uh, organization. Um, let me tell you, okay? Reed Hastings is the CEO of Netflix. I don't I know if people... At, no, I thought he... Isn't he at... Um, oh, no, CEO of at Netflix. I thought he was at... Uh, oh. no, go ahead. But but getting back to Natasha's point again, and the reason, probably the reason why a lot of black individuals are in private practice is because they got to make money. Right, Natasha? Well, I work in a hospital, so I work in a publicly funded place, but I also have a private practice. Right. So definitely. But what we read Hastings, a non-melanated individual, hail out to our good friend uh, Melvin Lars, who gave me that terminology, gave $120 million to the United Negro College Fund. Right, and then um, the guy from Twitter, right, matched it or something. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking to some of our wealthy black people out there. Get some skin in the game. $120 million. That's a lot of money. And, and somebody matched it. Do you realize that in America, the $250 million, roughly, people in America... With all the money that they just donated, they can eliminate student debt. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, so if, I, unless, I, unless that's what they're talking, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's dope that they donated it. But what are they going to do with that money? And so, so Seth is saying, Dr. Dre out here donating PWI schools. And, I, and, and, and maybe we're not hearing about them, but you know what? If, I, if they're in a position like that, if they want to have a real lasting legacy for black people, even if you gave $10 million, it's a tax write-off anyways, because this is like, I like COVID we've got a COVID and the recent, we got to end up better. And I'm getting, I'm getting more concerned because I'm not hearing the same noise I did even two or three weeks ago. And for that, for the person that really needs the help, are they ever going to see the help? Are they ever going to get the help? Because, again, if we're relying on, on government, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. for that matter, the United Negro College Fund. They literally just got enough money to eliminate student debt in America. Like, what are they doing with that money? Where's the money going? I'm curious to hear to see what that, what's being done with that money. Look, like Natasha, Natasha, if everybody in the nation, in America, to all 250 million people, unless it's not going to be that because not everybody went to college, all right? If everybody went to college and amassed $100,000 in student debt, that still would be a fraction <laughs> of that money. Where's the money going if people are donating to the United Negro College Fund $200 million? And there's still student debt in America. Right. 
I, 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 and I just want to. I digress. I did. Oh, no, it's okay because I, I say, black people, we got to look at our own backyard first, too. Yeah. We we got to really, we got to look at our own a little bit of our own backyard first because we won't even get how many shootings are happening in Chicago every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's some, there's some, something messed up going on in Chicago. So you know what it's like. Like, let's say um, you ever been in a battle where you're fighting a battle, right? And then the people that you don't expect or should not be fighting you too, that's behind you, is fighting you as well. It's one of those things where we, we're really on a, a battle where we're trying to fight two fronts. Yep. And one front should be having our back. Mm. But it's not happening. But you know what? So I, I, gotta, I have to say something about that because there's they, they say there's, what, 30 million black people in the United States, right? And you cannot expect 30 million people to all act right. There's just 250 million. I'm talking about just black people, you know? Okay. You just can't expect that. So when we talk about, there's a lot of reasons for the violence, right? There's a lot of reasons for it. Um, Of course, we want to say that people should act better and all that kind of stuff. But also, there's social economical reasons for for it. And then also, there's a lot of white on white crime too. So, Absolutely. So, uh, if you watch the ID, if you watch the ID channel, it's all day long of white people killing each other. So, so uh, you the know, is that's just referred to as crime, right? They don't specify white on white crime, right? Right. It's just crime, right? So, you know, I I I, I got to point that out, like, you know. Uh, but anyway, but I hear you though. I, I, you know, Chicago is terrible. But I, but I, I, I'm just really concerned for black people, and and I'm just because right now it's a window of opportunity right now, mm-hmm. and I don't know in my lifetime if there's going to be another window of opportunity like this. I don't know, and if it does, what I'd like to see is people having dialogue about being strategic. Yeah, because if we react solely out of emotion. We will burn ourselves out and we will not be effective. We have to be strategic. We have to come from an educated standpoint. We have to come with our ducks in a row because what's happening is we're being placated by some of these nonsense notions that are, oh, here, we'll do this. But does that really speak to the real issue at hand? And when we're not understanding what the real issue is, we miss a lot of that. Amen. 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 This has been a, a great show. I mean, I I really appreciate this dialogue. Anytime when we can come together and just, you know, share ideas and to have such two wonderful uh, guests come on. And uh, actually, I don't even want to call you guys guests because Friend. I, yes, because I feel like, you know, you guys, well, this is a community here and we're all a part of this community that we're forming. Uh, I want to come up with a name for it, though. We got to give it a name. Some, some you know, some... Uh, we we'll call it Vibe Land. Oh, and and so so Steph fully agree with you. I'm just concerned what's happening to our people in Chicago. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm really concerned what's happening there. Because it's it and I, I don't even want it's not even black, it's just it's just happening there and it's really concerning because we 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 have to find, we've got to just 
watch each other's backs and realize that we just got to help each other out. And but it all starts with each one of us, mm-hmm. right? It all starts. And again, the, the self care is such an important piece, especially now, mm-hmm. because a lot, like I said, I've talked to more than enough black people over the last few months. They're messed up. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, but I can tell they ain't right. And the concerning thing is if they ain't right, it can affect other people. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a domino theory. Yeah. And, and... You know? Well, one thing I'm going to say to that, Dr. Vibe, the one thing that I think is challenging sometimes about speaking up about when you're not you're not doing that well is yeah. sometimes we're so immediately dismissed. We don't yeah. do it. So as a church person, how many times do when I, I, I want to just be straight and say, you know what? I'm not in a good place, but you're blessed and highly favored. Yes, I'm blessed and highly favored, but I'm still vexed and I'm still sad. And mm-hmm. David talked about being depressed. It's in the Bible itself. So let's not pretend it doesn't happen. Or we go in any, in any other arena, we could talk about not doing right. And people want to then play the comparison game. You think you got trouble? Listen to my trouble. Uh, That's not helpful. No. Yeah. We shouldn't be comparing the, the what was me game. It should be. I'm sorry you're feeling that pain. You might be feeling pain too, but acknowledge and validate that we are all struggling. Yeah. And I think if we could meet each other and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to be transparent, we'd already be doing better off because we end up creating more division by not giving ourselves a safe space to talk about it because people want to challenge it all the time. Well, I, I, I just want to add, I, I love safe space, but I believe in a safe and brave space. Because it's one thing to have a safe space, but there has to be a space that's brave enough for people to speak their truth. Mm. I agree. And, and, and this is what we've, like had tonight. we've had here tonight, people speaking their truth. And, and that's always going to make us, as Dr. Tattoo would say, be more er. It's allowing us to be more er to be able to speak our truth. So uh, I think it has been a great conversation. Any closing thoughts from Natasha or Dre this evening? Quietness. You. <laughs> I would just reiterate, tune in with yourself and be honest about where you're at so that you can address it from that standpoint because we're we're quick to say i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay and not recognize and then you have that build and that moment where you have to pull over and cry because you've just reached your limit but um you know i think somebody i heard said the other day that we have to recognize that we're not we have to offset but we're we're sometimes we're bleeding and if we don't recognize we're bleeding then we're going to bleed out so we have to be able to check and see what what's really going on within ourselves. And I would also say, uh, even though we we are in still a season of, um, I guess, isolation and and uh, quarantining and social distancing, still try to find connections with people, call people. If you haven't spoken to somebody that you used to talk to a lot, give them a call, uh, video chat with them. It's not ideal. But it's what we have right now. So make sure you guys just try your hardest to stay connected with who you can. Your oikos, the people that you are very close with. And, and keep those connections going as best as you can. Because uh, Being isolated is a very hard place for some of us who are going through mental struggles. So stay connected. I agree on that. So, so Steph, you're, you're making me think that myself and Kinte have to host a conversation about the impact of 
uh, blacks poverty on blacks. Yeah, I think I think we, that you know you're making some as usual. You're making very important, relevant points in your last one, saying it, it's hard to be vulnerable when you're facing eviction and lack of food, and that's another thing that's really come to my awareness over the last few months about the whole food sustainability issue. Like I've I've, I've been personally been in environments where black people need food like they're hungry like to to numbers i've never seen before and again when you can't get something to eat that could cause you to do things that you're not used to or wanting to do to just to to survive and and the sad thing is we throw away food all the time you know it's like but i you know imagine if that 120 million dollars went to remove poverty in itself because like literally, like you have that much money, you can literally give everybody in the United States five hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Everybody and be straight. I'll take that. <laughs> and still have two hundred. Can you give it to them uh, and give them a way to sustain it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Like, yeah, like, I'll take my because like, my mind went to a couple of places, but I guess uh, you're about to end the show, and I don't want to continue going. No problem. Well, in the in the after show, you bring up those topics, and we'll we'll come back with them in future conversations. So, Kinte, like to say, oh, look at Madison. We found churches giving away food boxes here in Georgia, like every Saturday. Well, that's a good thing. I got you. Yeah. Food sustainability is so key. Kinte, any final words, and how can people touch base with you? Yeah, uh, I just once again, I want to thank everybody that's listening, Mafuni is out there as well and uh taylor made who we got to get on the show uh brilliant brother uh you know big fan of this brother he always has a very good insight um you know just we as we got to stick together as people uh all together a hundred percent man and we also have to realize that without unity we're done right yeah if we're not unified i mean look we're not all 100 percent going to be with each other you can't expect that but we have to have some sort of unity or as a community it's it's over so i just really want that to to hammer that in i'm gonna sound like a broken record you're gonna hear this a lot coming from <laughs> me so just be prepared say so here he go again talking about that again but it's just that important so um, once again, thank you so much, Dre and uh, Natasha. Uh, hopefully, you guys will you know be regulars on this program. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to call you guests. I'm going to call you uh, our enta- our entanglements. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you can give me really. <laughs> you can give me at Kente F on Twitter. Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course, the website is IndieRadio.org, I-N-D-Y, Radio.org. And of course, we'll be on tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, on Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. And we're talking about the art of the conversation. And I think Stephanie's on the show tomorrow again. I'm not quite sure. I know she was in the the group for it. So uh, um, that'll be fun. Oh, cool. Yes, she will be on. All right. Well, I have to say thanks for foremost, Kente. We finally made it happen. We got one down. Let's let's continue the momentum as an old song by Kenny Loggins. Let's keep the fire burning, as Kenny Loggins would say. I'd like to thank Dre, Natasha, Luke, 
Uh, D. Maya. So, so, Steph, been too long. And someone's phone's ringing. I Anthony know. Davis. Want to say anyone else? Uh, Lauren, if I've left anybody else out, it's because of my head, not my heart. You can co- touch base with me at the dr v i b e s h o w dot com, the Doctor Vibe Show, and uh, thanks to Get Vocal for finally saying, "Got to get Kinsey and Vibe together, make them uh, part of their key Soul Sunday programming," which they have just launched. I think officially last week, but today, but they've been banging on our doors to get this to happen. So we're happy to make it happen as long as you're going to make it happen with us. Uh, you can reach out to myself or Kinte if there are any topics that you'd like us to have on black men from north of the 49th and black men from south of the 49th. As always, I like to say you're blessed and highly favored, a magnet for miracles and a solution for someone's problem. I know Natasha doesn't like me saying that because not everyone's there, but I'm there. And I like to say live your I life. I didn't say that I didn't like that. I just <laughs> play. I'm playing with you. And I just say live your life as a dream. If you can do it, you can make it. Sometimes you have to get smaller, get stronger, 